slides we can do. Okay, so let's go to the second slide. So we're going to be talking about open-handed uh, living, finding freedom in generous living. Here, do a little exercise with me. Take your hands, hold them out in front of you, and then make a tight fist, as tight as you can. As tight, as tight as you can. Tighter, tighter, tighter. Is that comfortable? No. What's wrong with it? It hurts your muscles? My nails are digging into my palms. I should have trimmed my nails this morning. Now, let your hands go. And just let them relax and be released. That feel better? That feel better? There's a way for us that seems right about gathering for ourselves, holding on to things tightly. That seems like it's the right thing, but the pressure that it puts on us, our society, and our culture is enormous. And people live under a bondage of fear and, uh, and, and all kinds of uh, strongholds in their life because they're holding things so tightly. And God tells us that, that in the Word of God that if we want to be free of that, we just need to open our hands in generous living. Proverbs puts it this way. It says there is a, there's a, a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. That what appears sometimes to be the logical way to live, the right way to live, is not necessarily the right way to live. Because we have entered into a kingdom. Jesus invites us into a kingdom. When, what's the good news? What's the gospel about? The gospel is, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come. And you are welcome into the kingdom. You are welcome to be part of the kingdom. Well, the kingdom has its own set of rules. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we come into the kingdom, we come in to live our life his way, not the way we used to live our life, not the way the world lives its life. The, the world says, hold on tight, keep it all to yourself, and then you'll be happy. But Jesus' way says, open your hands. Be generous in your life with the things you have, with your time, with your, with your, um, with your relationships. Be generous. Don't be miserly. And in that, you will find freedom. Freedom in that way. Even though it is counterintuitive, it's the way to true happiness and freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it gives us a picture of why Jesus came. What, what, what one of the motivations for Jesus to come was. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He didn't set us free so that we would fall back into bondage by, re, by re, um, uh, revisiting the ways of the world. Jesus said, no, if you want to be, if you want to follow me, then this is a totally different way of living. You don't go back. You don't turn back into the way of the world. You continue on with me, even when it seems a bit backwards or upside down. All kinds of things in the kingdom of God are counterintuitive. 
You know, it says that we can, <laughs> I guess they're ready with that, but we'll hold on to it till later, okay, now? Uh, so they, um, we, we can hold on to these, uh, we can go back to those things, or we can go on with Jesus. The, que- the kingdom way often seems restrictive. A lot of people that look at, at Jesus' way of living from the outside will say, you know, it's just too restrictive. There's too many rules. There's too many guidelines. There's too many things. And it doesn't seem like I'll have any freedom in that way. But what those who have followed the kingdom way and followed Jesus' way have found that there is way more freedom in that way of living. Jesus offers freedom from the things of bondage. And those, those things that seem restrictive, it's counterintuitive, but those things that actually seem restrictive actually bring us freedom and liberty in every area of our lives. When Jesus defined the way of freedom and the way of bondage, he used an interesting theme to make his point. He talked about money. If you really want to illustrate how you get freedom... Jesus said, if you really want to see this in, in, in technicolor, the difference between what it is to live a life of freedom and a life of bondage, a way of the way of the kingdom or the way of the world, then you need to look at money. Jesus said it this way, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's only... When you're in the kingdom way, there's only one right way to go. You can't live in both camps. You can't have half your life in the kingdom of God and half your life in the kingdom of the world. That brings confusion. That brings uh, this tug of war between what is good and what is wrong. And it just leads us into confusion and does not lead us to a life of liberty and freedom. So it's our desire as followers of Christ is to follow him 100%. And Jesus said one of the areas that becomes really challenging for us to, to let go of our old way of doing things is in the area of money. Jesus illustrates it, points it out as two different kingdoms, two totally different ways of living, the way of God and the way of money. Uh, One way is a tight-fisted way. One is a way of amassing wealth for yourself. Another way is an open-handed way. A way that seeks, how can I be a blessing? Now, one would say, well, if you the tight-fisted one must be the one that's really blessed because they're holding on to everything. And the opposite is true. Often you'll find that some of the the most um, most, uh, blessed people are people that have learned to live open-handedly. You know, I was, I was reading this week um, uh, about uh, some corporations, and you know, uh, two of the richest men in North America have learned this principle. Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. They're two of the richest people in the world, and they give away 99% of their income. Now you say, well, that's easy to do when you're a multi-billionaire. Is it? Is it? Compared with the, 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 the man who is now the richest man in the world, is the, is the head of Amazon, 
corporation, and he gives away less than 10% of his income. Now, I bet you if you went to those billionaires, all of them, and you asked which ones are the ones that are enjoying freedom and happiness, you'd probably find the ones that are giving away more. I had the privilege of hearing um, uh, Melanie Gates speak last year at the uh, Global Leadership Conference and talk about the, uh, the, the things that she and her husband are passionate about in, uh, in the area of charity and in the world. And, and uh, the, their trust fund is, is uh, aiding people all over the world. Um, as a couple, they have made this. And she talked about her own personal faith, that when she was a young girl, uh, she went to a Catholic school and she was influenced by these nuns. And she, since that very time in her life, she has always had a, a strong devotion to God and daily spends time with God in prayer and meditation. You see, this idea of being open-handed is not just something that is some kind of um, uh, little Christian club thing or some kind of subculture thing. You see, you can be the richest person in the world. You can be someone completely outside of what we would call our little culture, and you can learn this this, um, this principle of open-handed, generous living and find out that it is a, a, a way of freedom. Because God blesses those who bless others. And I'm not, it's not a formula. Oh, bless others and you'll get blessed. No, it's the other way around. God blesses you and you bless others. You know, I think that, um, you know, uh, when I look at the Gates and, and Warren Buffett as well, you look at the work that they do, um, I think the Lord says, uh, now this is fictitious, I don't know how God works in heaven exactly, but I think he looks down and he says, well, look at there. Bill and Melanie Gates are giving away 99% to help other people in the world. Let's give them more. They're working as a conduit of love and mercy and grace. I'm not saying everything they do is right and all that kind of thing. I'm not, and, and, but God looks at the people. He looks for people that are grateful and are gracious and are living with open hands. And he says, okay, I see those people with open hands and the, it's flowing through them. I'm going to bless them more. I'm going to bless them more. Because there is a way that seems right to us, tight-fisted living, but it leads to brokenness and bondage. Open-handed living leads us to freedom. Or as Jesus is quoted saying by Luke in Acts, in Acts chapter uh, 20, it's more blessed to give than to receive. People who live with open hands know that there's more blessing in actually giving than there is in receiving. So I want you to imagine for a minute with me. Just imagine what life could be like if we followed God's way of doing things in every area of our life, including in the area of generous living. Just imagine. Imagine that every day your life was filled with peace instead of worry. Imagine that when you laid your head on your pillow at night, 
you just had this overwhelming sense of peace that God was in control and that everything is good, no matter the circumstances. Just imagine that it didn't bother you that interest rates were going up. Just imagine it didn't bother you that the stock market might be going down. Just imagine that it wouldn't, that it wouldn't phase you that the employment rate was, was wavering or that the value of the dollar was dropping or rising. Or well, I don't know what's supposed to be good for us or bad for us when it comes to the dollar anymore. It's good when it's going up and it's good when it's going down. Who knows? Or just imagine that it didn't matter to you what the price of gas was. Or it didn't matter what the cost of groceries was. Like that, what I'm saying is it, it doesn't matter in that you're not spending time worrying about those things. Will I be able to survive in life? I believe in God's way there is peace without worry. Just imagine that you could save without skimping. Just imagine being that person that, that, that God was blessing because you were such a flow through of his grace and his mercy that you were able to save money at the same time without, without, without living a life of obscure poverty. Because some people think that God calls us to live in poverty, and I don't believe that one little bit. The scripture is full of the theme of God's blessing and riches Worldly riches being a blessing from God. You can't take that out of the Bible. Now, you can't just make that the only theme of the Bible and money, <laughs> but you can't take that concept out of the Bible. And I believe that there's, when we live God's way, we can actually see our savings increase and we can still enjoy our life today, no matter who we are. I believe that retirement doesn't have to be a, a, a fearful thing when we follow God's way. Imagine that you could be satisfied without wanting. Imagine that you would just find contentment every day and not want more. That you wouldn't ever covet what your neighbor has or, or be envious of what someone else has. When you, when you didn't feel the need to make critical comments about rich people or you didn't have to find fault in them. All these little things that come up to us that really show us that we're not satisfied ourselves with what we have. That our house isn't big enough. That our car isn't nice enough. That our, that our, uh, our, our vacations aren't plenty enough. These little things that, that, that irritate us inside and we look at others and they're going off, to, you know, they're making plans for their big vacation in the sun this, this winter and we're thinking, oh, we can't really afford it. And you, you, you know, that, that kind of thing is, if I just had a little more, I could enjoy life better. Imagine being free of all that. Just waking up every morning and saying, thank you, God, for what you've given me. I'm living a satisfied, contented life. Paul said, that he had learned to live with much and with little. And in both situations, he was content. It's possible. Imagine that you were able to be a giver and not a taker. Imagine that you were never going to be the one looking for a handout, but you would be the one that was always generous and giving. Imagine that you were never looking for ways that you could get more 
You were never thinking about how you could how you could maybe save a little on taxes or this because you're always trying to get more and more and more. But what you were looking for in your life was ways to give. That you had so much that you would think, I don't need to get more, I could just give more. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be givers, not takers. And those of you who are struggling in poverty or with finances in your life today, you need to understand that that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be in a position in life that you can be a giver and not a taker, where you're not so concerned about what's coming in as you are and how you can get it out. And I'm not talking about emotional giving. We'll talk more about this in the coming weeks. I'm talking about systematic giving. You know, a lot of people want to just give emotionally. What do I feel like giving to? Well, the Bible tells us that that's not the way to give. That our feelings follow our giving, not our giving following our feelings. Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Put your treasure where you want your heart to go. Is, and so we have to systematically be giving in our life. It has to be planned and purposeful in our life. Imagine that. And then finally, imagine being a lender and not a borrower. Imagine you were the person that was able to lend to others freely. Uh, there are five primary lenders in our culture, in our country. They're banks. And they make a lot of money off of people borrowing their money. And most of us work with those banks in one way or another, whether it be a mortgage or a line of credit or credit cards or, uh, or whatever it might be. But these, these huge corporations are the primary lenders in our country, and they are making billions of dollars every year. Now, just imagine that there was, there was a, a, a group of people that could actually lend money to those who were in need without expecting interest back because God had blessed them so much. That's what, that's what God encouraged. That, that was a goal that God encouraged his people to strive for, is to become a people that could lend and never borrow. And that you would be able to lend without interest. You know, a lot, of, a lot of poor people in our society, they get rejected by those five big banks and then they're forced to go to places that offer like payday loans. There's a word for, there's a, there's a phrase that, you know, we've learned for, for organizations like that and they're called loan sharks. They call themselves payday loan places or Whatever. They call themselves. They put a fancy name on it, but at one time we would have called them straight up loan sharks because they're robbing the poor. Just imagine that that whole segment of society could be eliminated, that dark side where people are in bondage to debt because there, was, there were a group of people. And, and I believe in God's kingdom... There should be those who are willing to borrow or able to lend and never borrow. I'd like to be that kind of person. 
I'd like to be that kind of person that could just lend without expecting anything. The Bible said that this life of freedom is available if you do it God's way and not your way. Now can we show the video? Thanks. Hi, I'm Pastor Brian Cluth, and this week I'd like to share a few encouraging thoughts with you about some of the ideas in the open-handed living in a tight-fisted world devotional. Hopefully you've started using the 30-day devotional, but if not, it'll be easy to get started and caught up this week. The first key of living a generous life is to submit yourself and all that you have to the Lord. This idea comes from 2 Corinthians 8, when the Apostle Paul was telling the Corinthians about the Macedonian Christians. Paul tells how the Macedonians were going through some difficult times, were in extreme poverty, and yet God gave them abundant joy that resulted in rich generosity. How could difficulties and poverty lead to joy and generosity? Well, the answer is found in verse 5. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. The important thing in life is not how much money do we have, but do we have the Lord? When we have the Lord in our lives because we've submitted ourselves and all things fully to Him, we can truly live a life of joy and open-handed generosity regardless of any difficulties or hard times we might go through. The second key to living generously is to study God's Word. Someone once told me that the B-I-B-L-E letters in the word Bible stand for basic instructions before leaving earth. In the Bible, there are over 2,000 verses on finances, possessions, and generosity. God wants us to study His Word on these topics so we can know how to properly think God's thoughts, act on God's promises, and use God's wisdom on how we are to live and how we are to give. I pray that during these 30 days, that in a fresh way, you will submit yourself and all that you have to the Lord, and that you will be excited about studying God's Word on finances and generosity. In your group this week, choose some of the discussion questions to talk about together. But first, start off with having two or three of you share your thoughts on what book, person, or class has been most helpful in teaching you what the Bible has to say about finances and generosity. So here's my challenge to you. For 30 days, I want to encourage you to um, open your heart to what God would say about generosity, about what to do with what God has given you in your life. Now, the first thing, of course, is what Brian just said, is it's important to give your life to God. If you're in a, in a situation in your life where you have never given your life to God in any kind of way, where you have not submitted yourself to his kingdom and his way, I encourage you to do that, first of all. And that's a very simple thing you can do. You can just say, Lord, I want to, I want to stop living life my way and the world's way, and I want to live life your way. And so, Lord, I invite you to take me on that journey. There'll be someone here uh, later to my left um, that will be here to pray with you this after, uh, after the service. And if you'd like to talk to them about how you can make that decision, how you can begin to walk with the Lord in your life, uh, I encourage you to do that. For those of us who already do that, I want to encourage you to do this devotional with me. It's seven keys to open-handed living. And uh, there's two ways you can do this devotional. Right now, the ushers are going to... Well, just hold on a second. There's two ways. Number one, you can use the book. 
All right, we have 100 copies of this book available today, and you can take it home with you. Day one is today, and uh, we're going to go through this book for 30 days. We'll be uh, linking it onto our Facebook page as well and talking about it on our Facebook page every day. Um, but if you're uh, not the kind of person that uses books anymore, but you use uh, your you know, phone for most things, you can also go to uh, the App Store or to Google Play, and you can download the app. Now, do we have the slide for that? That we had that one? <laughs> All right. Anyway, you can go to 30 Days of Joyful Giving is the name of the app, and you can get it in the App Store, or you can get it in uh, the Google Play Store. So you can get it for your iPhone or for an Android. So you can take out your phone right now, okay? So if you have a phone, take it out right now, all right? And uh, go to, to the App Store or, and just type in 30 Days of Joyful Giving, and you can download that app. If you're worried about using your data, just hop onto our network. We have a guest uh, network, Parkway Church, and you can get on there and you can use our internet for, uh, for downloading it, okay? Uh, there it is. Uh, if you don't want to use the app and you'd like to use the book, the ushers are coming down the aisle right now, and uh, you can take a book from them, and they would be happy to give you one of these books, and this will take us all through the same material over the next 30 days on open-handed living, how to live a life of generosity. And uh, so I want to encourage you to do that. The other thing I want to encourage you to do, be, um, maybe you're saying here, generous living is impossible for me because I am absolutely broke. And I can't even think about giving to anybody else. Maybe you've fallen prey to something like those loan sharks we talked about. Or maybe you have other issues in your life. Maybe your debts are piling up. Maybe uh, your income is low. Maybe whatever it might be in your life. Um, I want to encourage you to sign up for the course that we're beginning this Wednesday. I was broke. Now I'm not. And we're going to offer this course six weeks. It's taught by Joseph Sangal, and uh, it's a video course. I'm going to be facilitating the course. We're going to go through it together, and we're going to learn nine steps so that you can be free financially, and you'll be able to be free to live with open hands in every area of your life. We don't want to, we don't want to say, oh, live open-handedly, and then not offer people an opportunity to get things straightened out in their finances, because some of us have been following the world's way of doing things for a long time, and we've gotten buried in the world system. Do you know that the world system wants you to be buried? Do you know that, that, that every time you talk to a person at the bank and they offer you one more service or one more, one more credit card or one more, they are trying to ensnare you in debt? Not maliciously, but they're trying to make money and they're doing it really well. Our whole system is designed for you to be buried under debt and in bondage to money. And we believe God wants you to be free, and so we're offering this course. So if you'd like to be part of that course, you can sign up online. You can talk to Liz at the desk uh, in, the, in the lobby afterwards, and she can tell you how you can get signed up. But we're going to start that this Wednesday. Well, I want to uh, invite uh, uh, Fred and Evelyn Stevens, and uh, just before I finish here, and um, I want to talk to them uh, just a little bit about their story. So come on. <laughs> Um, because I want to put some real-life uh, perspective on this. Do you want to stand or do you want to sit? 
<laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll stand. Here's your mic. Because <laughs> I didn't bring out another stool, so. And I'm standing anyway, so. Um, I, want to, I want this to be practical. I want you to realize that this is something that is doable. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do now. You're a married couple. <laughs> what do you do? Yes, we are. We're a married couple. And How uh, long have you been married? 40, 42 years this week. 42 years. Give them a hand for that, eh? That's an accomplishment. Okay, so what do you guys do? Um, we manage a business called Manatic Tree, which is uh, pretty well a full-service tree service to, um, to our, pretty well the whole Ottawa Valley. We have approximately 20 employees. Um, my business partner is my son at this time. We started uh, 26 years ago with my brother-in-law, and he is, my son has since bought him out. And, uh, yeah, we okay. keep very busy. All right. Well, tell us how you got started in that, because when you got started in that business, things weren't going so well, right? Tell us about that. Well, it was... Um, it was a pretty abrupt uh, Friday afternoon I had once. I was in the high-tech world as an electrical technician and a, as a production manager, and one day we had a meeting, and boom, the whole company was announced closing. So I came home one afternoon and mentioned uh, I had to break the news to my family that I was out of a job. Wow. Middle of the summer, and by pure coincidence, we had a camping trip planned, and... Uh, with my brother-in-law and uh, around a campfire around midnight is where we decided to start something, an adventure that we've been on ever <laughs> since. So that's how the, the business got, uh, got born, basically. Uh, so it was a time of crisis in your life that you got this idea. You, this wasn't something you planned for, prepared for? Not at all. No, <laughs> no we had been living, um, we had kids in a Christian high school, we had kids in a Christian day school. Um, we were pretty well living month to month, trying to make ends meet. And um, an interesting note was, while we were unemployed, I was actually drawing unemployment insurance for the first time in my life, is uh, when we made a decision to actually tithe first. Oh. It was based on the fact that we had kids in the, in the schools. The schools, we always kind of derated our tithing and always justified it. And I think God spoke to us right at that time to begin uh, true tithing, which is right off the top. So right. So you're, you're talking about is what we talk, when we talk about tithing, it's giving a tenth of our income to God off the top, not off what's left over, but off the right. top. So you decided to do that while you were on EI. <laughs> how did that feel, Evelyn? Just tell us a little bit about, as a mom, how you were feeling about that. Well, it was definitely scary because uh, both schools were 11% of our income at that time, and they gave a discount of 25% at both. So it was definitely pretty scary to think about. It was like, <laughs> we didn't know where the money was coming from, but it came. God was faithful. And right. So were you ever in that time, well, I guess the answer is no. You, you never really doubted God. You actually ramped up your giving at that time, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I think we, we just felt um, it's, it's now to, to begin, and we, were, we're, we knew we were starting a whole new journey. 
In hindsight, I see God took us out of uh, a nice little packaged life where, where we had fixed incomes, we calculated everything, and we went for a ride into a whole new world of uh, the unexpected unexpected and uh, just it became an adventure truly right. an adventure wow. yeah. so that adventure um, your business started and it's grown now you said you have 20 employees so not only are you employed and blessed by this business but 20 other people are blessed by this business um, and uh, your um, your brother-in-law has retired and now your son is picking up his part of the, that part of the business so it's just going on and on right well, he's not really retired. He's our key. He's our top employee. <laughs> <laughs> so and, he stayed in the business. And good. God has honored that too. We have a great relationship still. And, uh, and I, I look at the journey of the people that God has sent to us have been uh, some strong Christians that mingle in our business. We have non-Christians and we are able to minister among each other as a result, I think. It's been just a really neat journey. And... Um, Probably, um, we adopted a verse right away for okay. our business, which is uh, Jeremiah 17, 7, verse 7 and 8, that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, he'll be like a tree planted by the water, sends out its roots to the stream, and uh, its leaves are always green and never, bears to fail, uh, never fails to bear fruit. And that truly has been how God has operated for us. Literally. Trees. Literally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, if you were to encourage people about uh, this concept of open handed living, how has that worked out for you? Do you have any regrets about being generous? Not just in your tithing. I, I, I know you wouldn't tell this about yourself, but I get invited to a lot of fundraisers in the city for Christian organizations. And uh, when I go there, there are some people that are consistently at all these different fundraisers, and you are often there. So you're interested in what God's doing in other areas, not just in your church or in the Christian schools that you've supported over the years. But So I know that, uh, or I assume, that you have practiced this kind of open-handed generosity. Any regrets about that? No, I think a big... A big decision came with us once, uh, probably about 20 years ago. We, I, I went to a seminar at my brother's church in southern Ontario by a guy named Earl Pitts. And it was all about your circle, closing your circle of your needs and separating your needs and your wants and figuring that all out. And I came back from that and I, we decided as a family, uh, this is the way it's going to be with us. So I think... My, our salaries are still the same as they were like 20 years ago, basically, because <laughs> that's what we need to live as, as wow. a family. Wow. And everything else either stays in the business or we tithe through their business, and uh, God has just honored us in so many ways and allowed us kind of neat that you can give more than your salary used to be. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's just a joy to be able to participate Amazing. in that part of it. Amazing. Thanks for sharing with us. Give them a hand. Well, I want you to know that uh, as we do this 30 days together, um, here's, here's really what I want you to do. Here's what I challenge you to do. That's not what I want you to do, what I challenge you to do. And I've done this before, and I've said this to you before. 
I just want you to be willing to be willing to do what God asks you to do. Don't be willing to do what I suggest you do. But be willing to be willing to do what God asks you to do. So as you go through this devotional, I believe God's going to speak to you and he's going to speak to me. And there's been many times in my life where God has spoken to me about being more generous or being directing and just all different kinds of things. And I can honestly say, like Fred and Evelyn, it has never cost me anything to be generous. It's never cost me anything. So I encourage you to just say to the Lord right now, Lord, I'm willing to be willing to do what you ask. Just say that with me if you really mean it. I'm willing to be willing to do whatever you ask. Lord, that's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ian, thank you.